My name is Matt Pryor. I'm the editor-at-large of Autocar Magazine, which is the world's longest established car magazine. Click record. Okay. Because the the concept of this is quite casual. Yeah. Just yeah, I've heard so. To, yeah, the main idea is that we act as a, an example of conversation rather than it being a, a like proper that. interview. I like that. Um, partially because I, I hope that helps with encouraging people, mm. and partially because I'm not very good at structuring interviews, so I'd rather just do my own thing. That's cool. Um, yeah, so it, we might as well kind of just chat as we've been chatting. Chat as really. we have. That, that's yeah. the whole concept. Yeah, I must go to. I must go back. To Le Mans. I used to go every year for six, seven years, I suppose, and then I just got out of the habit yeah. once. But it's such a cool thing. I should have gone this year of all years because it's uh, an it was the year race. to go, really. Yeah. Um, so, to give a time frame for when we're recording, I got yeah. back from Le Mans yesterday for the centenary race. So, I'm still recovering from the time <laughs> on the road. I think I was on the road for eight hours yesterday. Yeah. And then we've come back and it's 30 degrees over here. It's warm here, isn't it? So it's, it's yeah. not quite the same as getting it's a proper night's It's a nice drive back, though, isn't it, sometimes? Because there's, there's loads of people on the road and it's quite, yeah. you know, it's quite a... It's quite, it's, it's quite, it feels a, quite a family vibe feels, to it. Yeah, it feels quite club... I mean, clubby is the wrong sort of word, but you do know what I mean? It, it has a bit of an atmosphere to it, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's not. You go past and everyone's giving way and letting people yeah. through and the French people hate you, but they kind of understand why you're They kind of get wise there. Yeah, it does feel like a... Well, last time I went, it felt like a British slash Dutch event yeah. held in France. You know. um, the last time I went was probably 15 years ago. Mm. It will have been 15 years ago because I had to miss the next year for my GCSE. Oh, crikey, so you were a child. And I was passenger. Yeah. And I yeah. think they've added more of a... It's not a motorway, but the big dual carriageways that go all the way down. Because it used to take oh, you're right. years to get Yeah, there. you used to have to go... Yes, you used to go off some main roads and through a few back roads and stuff which could take quite a long time yeah so we, it used to be a two day trip yeah. to get there so when I was planning the trip here I was like oh we're going to need to find somewhere to stop on the Wednesday night blah blah and then um, Luke from Lunin Classics was like well, it's only a four hour drive when you get to Calais yeah. so we'll just do it in one day yeah it's quite accessible these days um, oh it was brilliant I think yeah. we set off at 11 from where we stopped to have breakfast outside where we stayed and we were back home for half seven that's great. That's really the, good. The stop for lunch in the lounge. Is there? Um, how was the weather over the weekend? Because I, I, I followed it a bit, and I saw it was. I saw some. We had some offs in the rain, but then it settled down, didn't it? Yeah, we had rain about two hours, three hours in. Yeah. By which point we'd kind of sat down and we're having a drink and getting sent the videos, and I think the rain might have been earlier than that actually, and then I think there was some more in the night. Yeah. But not that much. Okay. Um, I think so on Saturday night I went over to watch Mika because he was playing right and my other oh half, really yeah my other half loves Mika she like, yeah. grew up with it on the radio when she was a kid so she's like if you can can you go and how cool is that so I got about three people away yeah because I was like I'm used to like heavy metal music where you have to elbow all the way to the front <laughs> I was like I just keep going and yeah, people just, just kept going. moving yeah so I went to see Mika about ten and it rained as I was leaving right but it was, it was so warm throughout the weekend that it was quite nice to have a bit, yeah, of, it is, isn't it? A bit of rain. Bit. Um, and then I think there was a bit in the night, and that's as much as I can remember seeing proper rain. So is me... He, He's French. Oh, is he? So I think he does the French that. version of The Voice or whatever. Right, OK. Um, 
But yeah, so between all the songs, he was like, eh, Madame Monsieur. I was like, oh, okay. oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, oh, I, I just remember all that. the songs being poppy in English. Very poppy in English, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And then I've been to the van store at Vista Village today. Yeah, not far from me. To get I, I, I mean, I, these. Not these, not these vans, but I have a pair that look a bit like yours that I got from there. Well, these it's, are really wrecked. Yeah. Like the insoles missing on one of them, and I was like, I'm going to have to get some more trousers. So I was using coming to see you as an excuse to go to, to, go to the, the van store. Oh, I like, that. Um, I like that. And as I walked into the van store, a Mika song started playing. I was like, oh, it's like the truth. It is handy. I I must say I it's not always the most popular because I as as we speak, we're about four miles from Vista mm. at my gaff. Um I'm not sure how many of the people the locals really like the Vista Village and it gets very, very busy it's on the run up to Christmas. It's busy. unbelievable. My other half lived in the town. Oh, uh, really? more in the town for about yeah. six months on one of her placements because she's a psychologist so right. she has to do workplace placements work-based placements and towards Christmas it did oh yeah Get really both start of, ramping yeah, up yeah both of my kids have worked it's been really handy for us because one I go very early in the morning if I need a pair of jeans or something but also yeah both of my kids worked there when they were when they were doing GCSEs and A-levels it? and it's just yeah and it's actually you know what rates of pay are good conditions are quite good mm. and but yeah but, uh, on the run-up to Christmas one of my kids was saying their shop was was People, it was turning over about eighty to hundred grand a day on the run up to Christmas. Jeez. I would, and I just avoid, at that time. I'll just avoid. Unless no, selling pick and mix, you know, jeez. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, but it's yeah. You just think uh, he's off the scale. Uh, I'm, I, I, I don't mind it, and like I say, I go what, where I have a problem, and it's not just with shops. I have a problem with quite a lot of consumer things. They will make you queue outside a shop. Mm. Right, I get that it's busy and everything else, but it's all roped off and you're queuing around to get in a shop. Hang on a minute, it's my money, yeah, and yeah. you want my money. You're making me queue to spend my money in your, store. in your store. And I prefer transactions where somebody is pleased to have your money. Yeah, you yeah. do know what I mean? I prefer well, I think to... it's the Gucci store there have an electronic queue now. Oh, do they? So you don't stand around outside. Really? They just give you a... An, and you just get a little text yeah, or something to the, say your time is... The equivalent of the ticket at the butcher's. But yeah. It's Gucci or whatever, and you just see people wandering around Vista, and then they get a text, and then bolt back to the shop. Um, we should probably introduce who you are, actually. As we're, <laughs> we're six minutes into chatting. <laughs> six minutes in. It's like, oh, and nobody knows so far. a random bloke. Yeah. Uh, my name's Matt Pryor. I'm the editor-at-large of Autocar Magazine, which is the world's longest established car magazine Amazing. it was made in it was established in ni- 1895 and wow. it's been published actually, I did I keep saying on my calls to action and videos and stuff every week since 1895 and a reader wrote the other day and he said I think you'll find actually it's not and, unless I'm mistaken it's not every week because there were some general strikes in the 70s and there were printers strikes which stopped publication for maybe three or four weeks right and then Steve Cropley who is our um, editor-in-chief said that he also believes there were a couple of weeks just at the very start of the war where people were in a bit of shock and strife and it didn't get published then. But but every week, bar seven or eight since 1895, it's, it's pretty good going, I think. And... Yeah, it's quite a lot of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I've been there for 18 years uh, this month, next month, this month, next month, this week, I think. <laughs> um, I started. I got back from Le Mans in 2005 and started the next day. Oh wow! So, uh, and I've been there since. Best place I've worked. It's great. Well, it's you great. must have seen quite a big transitional period for them then. Yeah, when I years. yeah, I, when I started, our photographers were still using um, print film cameras, yeah. and we went to digital pretty shortly afterwards. But they would file. You know, they'd just have to send 
uh, reels of film back to the office. And if we wanted to file a copy, you'd have to go to the office to, to file it. And I had my own laptop rather than a work one, and I could log in at the end of every day when I got back to internet connection to check emails and stuff. It, I, I wonder how, I always wonder how we work. Do you know what I mean? I can't, I yeah. sort of think back now, how, how do we manage to put a, a magazine out every it's week? It's insane how much it of a is, revolution it is. It is bonkers, been. yeah. But then preceding that, I, the days when you had a telephone and the days before that when not everybody had a telephone and it just the um the mclaren f1 was road tested in 1994 and andrew frankel who was the road test editor of the time says they they were due to meet at bruntingthorpe with a bunch of guys from mclaren it was the day after ed and senna was killed and oh, he said wow. we we were going to bruntingthorpe on monday morning not knowing if these friends and colleagues of, of Ben would would be, would be there, you yeah, know, yeah. just because it was, but back in the fifties, sixties, when you know not everybody had a telephone. How do you do the? How do you put a magazine together? But they drove. Some of my forebears drove the Jaguar E-Type from the office in London to the Geneva Motor Show, where I think it was unveiled, and then they ran the road test the next week. And they did a, the figuring of the road test and stuff on the way. I, I don't know how you do. I, you know, you, whether you phone copy through or stuff like that, it must have been mad. Today, it's so. I mean, we just get asked to do more things. I think, but it's yeah, so yeah. easy to do it because you are always on. Well, you can do non-stop. this, 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 and this all on your phone. So can, yeah. you're like, oh, okay. I bet you kind of missed the days. You just had one thing to do. Well, and left uh, you alone until quite good on a road trip. Quite good on a road trip to not be in any contact with anyone, isn't it? Because you could just go. Mm. It's like being on a motorbike or something. You can just go and nobody, nobody, can, know, get nobody can get you. It was quite just... nice having just done a four-day road trip to go. Yeah. I've got two days of just being with my friends mm. and not really think, having any of the outside world connection. And obviously because I'm of the generation I'm of, we were still on Twitter. I've just well, seen of this, course. I've just seen yeah. this, I've just seen this. What do you, do think you ever this? switch off? Do you ever go, All right, I'm not going to have... I'm not very I'm, good I'm going to have it. a week of no social or no... I think because what I do heavily relies on it, yeah. it feels like if I stop, it will have a bigger impact, mm. which arguably it won't because I've just done five days away and things haven't fallen apart massively. <laughs> the only thing that's happened is I had an email from someone mm. going, I've just seen your car on the motorway. Okay, thank you very much. That's the, that's the biggest drama I've had. That's is a drama. That's all right. Your, that's your okay. car went from lane four to lane one on the motorway. So, yes, because I stopped passing things and moved all the way over like you should. Yeah, as you do. Yeah, as you do. Um, yeah. If that was Keep upsetting left. to you, get out of lane yeah, three. Yeah, maybe you're in the wrong lane. <laughs> um, but yeah, things are still going. Uh, still ticking over. Um, playing a little bit of catch-up today. Mm. But it's tough. And one thing I try to do, and I'm, not, I'm still not very good at that, even though I tell other people to do it and try to do it is use an alarm clock rather than my phone and I don't I try oh, not so to, and not take a phone into yeah, the bed yeah, if, into I, the if I can if I yeah. can motivate myself to do it I'll leave my phone in my office because yeah. it's the other room we've only got a two bedroom house and mm. one's a double office for me and my partner and the other's a bedroom I'll leave my phone in the office use my alarm clock and not pick my phone up until after I've had coffee and a breakfast and yeah, read a somebody, bit of a magazine or something. Yeah, somebody told me that this morning. They, sh- they said you sh- they read somewhere that probably probably read it within half an hour of waking up. But they said actually, if you can not look at your phone in the first half an hour because it wires your brain yeah. differently if you do, and it prevents your normal and it can set off a sort of set of it can just set you in a set you in a slightly anxious frame of mind where you're expecting something else to. Come, something else to happen, something else to happen. Whereas if you can just get up and wake up and not worry about it, yeah, 
and I I can't. Well, I, really I mean, hard. I probably can do that, but I don't do that. It's, it's a I really difficult it. thing to motivate yourself, and it takes a lot of discipline. Yeah, well, if you're in our sort of business as well, I mean, if I uh, am not looking at um, emails and social and as a as a news mm. gatherer to an extent, you know, I feel like I'm not wasting time, but I feel like I'm being slightly lazy. Like if, I'm, if I'm getting up, you know, mooching around the house, having a cup of coffee, reading a book, you know, I'm not doing the thing that I'm. But do you, you find know, get that paid to do. that pressure on you to be like the first person to break a story is a bit anxiety-inducing? I suppose it could be. I mean, it, it's because uh, I'm features rather than news. It's less of a constant yeah. worry. But when I see something, when I read read something that happens, and it's usually on social, and it's either a story that's come from a manufacturer or somebody else has gone, oh, have you seen this or seen that? Yeah, it can be a bit. And not in a bad way. I love what I do, so it's fine. But yeah. I can think, oh, we better get on top of that quickly. The the bit I like about my job, where being ahead of somebody else um, is a thing, is is if I've driven a car and there's no manufacturer, the manufacturer has not set an embargo. They just so anybody goes drives that car, writes about it whenever they want, mm. and that's the bit I like that I really enjoy is writing a story before anybody else has. Yeah, yeah. And that's a, you know, because that's a, a, a bit of professional pride about it, you know. I drove yeah. a car, a couple of, uh, Rolls-Royce Phantom launch two years ago, I think. It was sort of, it's in the UK, it was still during some sort of restrictions of, of travel and things like that. But a bunch of us drove it in the UK and I just sat down um, in a car park next to my motorbike before I went home and finished it and uploaded it and was like, bosh, that's done. I got out of this Beat car an hour and a half ago and it's done and it's first and it's good. And, I, and it feels a bit, it's not changing the world, is it? But it feels a bit like sports reporting or something like that where you just, yeah. you know, and I really enjoy a good sports report on a match or a, that I haven't watched or seen or anything. But the, I think Guardians football writers are pretty, really good at it. And the cricket. The difference with that, with a sports report is you can you can write it while you're still in the game. Yeah. You know, whereas with a car you can't do that. So you've got to stop and then write it. it. <laughs> yeah, they don't like that very much. As it turns out. Just do a, but a it's a, but it's a dissimilar. It's not a dissimilar sort of um, task, I suppose. And I really enjoy that. That's yeah. why that's what I like most. It's, it's interesting to learn the nuances of, of how that world works yeah. as well, and to, to kind of go well that that does have a lot of professional accomplishment to it because you're like I'm doing my job at this level yeah. and I'm doing it well and I can do a thing and then write about the thing and get it out yeah and get it out and if I can go thing. yeah and if I can look back I, I find it harder to read if actually this does give me slight anxiety it's reading other motoring magazines and I used to read loads all the yeah. time it was my hobby I don't do that so much anymore because I do uh, if, if it's worse than mine it annoys me and if it's better than mine it annoys me even more so but if I can go back a couple of days later and think right who else has driven this car what do they think of it and if I go back and go okay mine was before that and it's as good as yeah, yeah. if I could be um, if I could be first and best I would be delighted do you ever but get I'll, that bit where you go oh I didn't even spot that some oh rarely but sometimes yeah sometimes you think oh Christ I hadn't or I wrote something uh, I, I drove a car the other day and basically the engineer had told me one thing of how it came about and he told somebody else something else about how it came about. Oh, and he said, um, 
and I got a text off a college go- a colleague going, it's amazing, you know, we both spoke to the same bloke, we've got completely different origin stories as to how this car <laughs> was conceived, which is, fi- which is fine. I mean, it's not, it was that uh, Lamborghini Huracan Storato, the off road one. one. And these, you know, there were a couple of different versions of how it came into being. It's one of the and versions. And they're probably we saw all. Porsche. No, <laughs> no, funny enough, it we saw wasn't. saw the Dakar, Yeah, like, funny oh. enough, it wasn't that. Yeah, but they. Um, so one said, the one they told me is that they were testing the Urus at Nardo Test Track in Italy and they went out for dinner and a pint at the end of the day and they were going, well that was good fun wasn't it? And they said yeah that was good fun, we should we should do some more off-road cocking around <laughs> as, as, as we can. And somebody went, well why don't we do it in Oregon? But And then he's told somebody else a slightly different story of how it came about. But I'm sure there's well, you know what it's like when two people are in the same situation, they will tell you a very different story about what's happened. Absolutely. So there's probably equal merit in every single yeah, yeah. story well, about it. This is why it. witness testimony is not as heavily relied on as it used yeah. to be. Because you can, yeah. A, you can manipulate a memory, and B, you cannot necessarily rely on people's memories. Yeah, you can stick two, three, four people in a room, and they'll all have a completely different idea about the same thing that happened. Yeah. You know? Otherwise, nobody would ever argue about anything. So, yeah. Which is, is, uh, is how these stories of fantasy with old car things come together isn't it yeah it's an amazing thing happened and everyone's like Dave just did it and you just misread what was going (laughs) on exactly yeah exactly yeah and as time goes on and things get written into history inverted commas probably history it's the official story the official story yeah exactly and yeah there will be nuances and differences on all the way through (laughs) and then someone will make a biopic film out of it and rewrite the story oh and it will change again yeah exactly everyone's perception of Le Mans is now different because of the Ford vs Ferrari film see I haven't seen that is it is it good it's a good biopic is it have you seen Rush yes I have it's got that kind of level of effort to it okay so it's high budget yeah they've made it a good film to watch yeah regardless of whether you know the story or care about motor racing that is important um but it's a good story that's probably a little sprinkling of drama here and there okay um like there's a, a scene where shelby takes ford junior 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 whichever one it was yeah for a drive in the mustang in the gt40 to kind of scare him into letting him do what he wants. Mm. He's like, let's show you what $5 million gets you and scares the crap out of him. Um, and I imagine that's slightly embellished. That may embellished, embellished a bit, and... yeah. yeah. But, People from Ford probably know what a car can do to an extent. Yeah. But, but yeah, there's a, there is a scene in Rush, and it's reasonably early on. I don't know where they're supposed to be racing. But there's a car spinning, and it's an overhead shot from it. This sort of drone shot of a car spinning along the track. And uh, it just looks... Wrong. It's like cars don't spin like that. And that, <laughs> as a as a car person, that's the. It's just going to oh, break that diffusion yeah, of reality. You know I mean, for I just you. can't bear. It. I just think oh, I can't watch this. <laughs> I can't watch this. And that's so. I think that's my problem about car films. But there might be a scene or two in that. Really, in because there's the one where the I think it's the Ferrari. Was it the P4? Yeah. It was at that time. I think one of those crashes, isn't it? It's very right. dramatic. Mm. And I, I imagine you'd watch that and go. I don't think they were quite doing that back then. It's difficult, that, isn't it? Um, that is, I do find that difficult. And I imagine, but I can watch 
you know, spy films, submarine films. And that must annoy submariners when they're watching a submarine film going, oh, God, no, it doesn't happen like yeah. that. No, it doesn't ping like that. What are you talking about? <laughs> but it just must be... There's spies everywhere. In, like, yeah. It's not how it works. We can't tell anyone. Computers never... And how many computers are there in films? There must be IT people the world over going, oh, come on, that's yeah. ridiculous. But I mean, it just, it's like... Yeah. It just yeah, yeah. smashed Can you, can you enhance that image? No, of course they can't enhance that image. <laughs> Otherwise, it would be better. <laughs> Otherwise, it would be better. It would be fine. But... Uh, yeah, so I need to. Screw. Yeah, so I need to. I need to. I need to. I need to, I need to look at it without worrying about it. Yeah, it's point, one of those. If you go in with it to enjoy the story yeah. of it and just to enjoy the as a film rather yeah. than going how historically accurate is this? Yeah, and I like the actors, it. and I and I yeah, I will watch it at some point. Yeah. I think they did a good job with Rush as well. I think mm. um, Chris Hemsworth and oh, I forget the guy's yeah, name. Yeah, I can't remember. He's now. German. They were good though. They, they were good. They really are, good they job good. at that. Yeah, they did. Um, yeah, and it didn't right. just become, here is Chris Hemsworth in a thing. It was an actual good portrayal of yeah, I um, so. James Hunt. Yeah, I think so. Um, but uh, yeah, it's worth a watch. Yeah. Anyway, we've kind of gone off on a tangent there, which is kind of a common theme. Well, is there, a, is there a non-tangent? Was there a... I can't remember there... what led us to that tangent, <laughs> to be honest. With you. Uh, no, nor can I. It, it was almost a circular tangent because we're back at Le Mans. Oh, we are. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. um, I think it's worth mentioning where we're sat, actually, because... Mm. Anyone that's listened to a few of these episodes will know that we did. I did the Jim McGill episode in Jim Sweet Panda. Yeah. Whereas this is immensely more comfortable and has air conditioning. Well, I've tried. It's got a table. We're, we've got a fold-out central table that is fully two, across both of us, almost yeah. like we're in an aeroplane. Um, air conditioning that's nice and cool, and, and we're sat across from each other. Yeah, so we've got legroom. So we've got all the legroom we like. So yeah, yeah it's cool. Which so it's a, yeah, so it's a it's a Volkswagen Multivan uh, PHEV. Uh, so it's got a one point five petrol engine plus um, an electric motor and battery that will give it about twenty miles of range. Depending on you get more in town, but yeah. out on the out on the, on the road you get about twenty miles of EV range. So it's a really and it's a really useful wagon for. Photography, it's great because you can, one, fit loads of kit in, but you can also, you know, if we want to shelter from the rain. We did a job in January, I think, in um, in Wales on a beach with a couple of off-road buggies. Mm. And it was the support wagon for that. And the, and the cool thing is, is that you, could, you, know, you, can get out, you can get out the wind and rain and turn the heating on without having to have the engine running. Yeah. And you can take all the seats out if you want, or you can put one in. You can turn the seats round. So if you want to do car to car video tracking or whatever, somebody can sit in the back in a proper yeah, seat yeah. with the seatbelt on rather than being harnessed. The diff- I mean, the difficulty you want to get one of these sort of low, really dramatic tracking shots where a photographer likes to hang a camera basically on the I've ground. I've done a few of those. I mean, they're really cool, but it's you can't do, you you know it's. You can't do that in the seat. You can move around. You know, it's got a big opening at the back, so you can move around and get good shots. It's a hatchback it's style. It's just, boot, a, isn't it? yeah. So it opens, yes, top top mounted, so it keeps the rain off. It's an incredibly useful wagon. It's been around. Um, it's been around in the office for a, a little while as a work set of wheels, but it goes back. Uh, goes back very soon. But it's a cool thing. It's a cool thing. It's yeah, fantastic. I can see why people say, uh, once you've had a van, you'll never not have a van. You know, yeah. because uh, a lot of people have said, "Oh, yeah, you'll never, you'll never, you won't." There's you know, so much you can do with it. it. Yeah, there's such a um, practical, useful wagon, especially something like this with the, the seats all the way to the back of the space as well. Like you can really yeah, configure got, it to be quite useful. Yeah, it's just so versatile. I mean, I've helped two friends move house 
with it, and I've you know moved a load of stuff um, with it. It's just it's just great, and yeah, like this this table thing, you can take it out and not have it in if you want at all. Oh, it's sorry, just a so it slides. So yeah, so it slides. So removes, the between the front so it can, yeah, so it can either be as a centre console between the front seats yeah. with cup holders and arm, as an armrest and cup holders, or you can have it back here as a desk for us to. So Perfect. yeah, I've sort of recorded, and actually the acoustic is pretty good in here as well, and it's Hopefully just that, well, hope, that it's yeah, coming through nicely. But it's um, it's got <laughs> a it's got a, uh, a Harman Kardon hi-fi system, right, and it sounds really good. And I'm not a massive fan of hi-fi systems in cars because the, actually the, the environment of a car I don't think is very good acoustically anyway. But because this has got big space for the sound to develop and stuff, it sounds terrific. I think it's one of the best car hi-fis I've heard. Oh, and I'm sure, and I think that's a, the interior. Yeah, I'd say because considering you've got that Alpina just there, yeah. which will have an upgraded hi-fi. Yeah, it's also got, yeah, I think it's also got Harman Kardon actually. Um, yeah. It's it's high praise for the Volkswagen mm. to to be outperforming something yeah. like that. Well, I think it's just the environment. Yeah. The, it's the environment rather than necessarily the system itself. It's which is such a big. I think it's such. I'm not an audiophile particularly, but I think that's such a big part of it. Yeah, yeah. So, keeping on the thread of cars that have been press cars and long term, that what's the most either exciting or interesting one that you've had the pleasure of spending time with? Uh, short term or long, ter- long, oh, long term? Uh, well, Which um, would you look back most fondly on after ooh, you retire? Crikey. The best car in the world. This is the answer nobody ever wants, but you're going to get it anyway. The best car in the world <laughs> is like the... Focus. Well, close, yeah. It's Ford Fiesta right. ZTEC S 2009 1.6 three-door because it's... It, I've got this sort of pet theory that if I... Bugatti Chiron's McLaren F1s are, are astonishingly good, yeah. but they cost loads. Of course, they should be. They cost loads of money. Yeah. yeah. Whereas the ZTEC S was as good fun as I can remember a road car being. Really, it's got a really nice blend of ride and handling, so it's comfortable, steers really sweetly, gripped well. It's compact. It's light. Um, it was fast enough. Could do. Could have done with the six gear just to tone down the engine on the motorway a bit. And they were 15 grand. They were under 15 grand at the time. And you think that's just... To get all of that enjoyment and all of that sophistication and all of that refinement and all that fun into a package that was that affordable, and it did... I think you probably did 40 to the gallon or something yeah. like that, or near, near thereabouts, I just think is remarkable. And last week, uh, week before last, I drove a Kia Picanto to Ireland for a feature, road trip feature. And that car is now also... Uh, 16, 17 grand and I cannot imagine many cars being much more fun really? than that on the roads we're on because it's it's small it weighs a ton yeah. uh, steers nicely you've got an amazing gearbox fantastic gearbox it just drops in and out because there's not much torque to worry about it doesn't yeah. have to have a beefy clutch and gear change or anything so it's just like a switch and I'm a big fan of small of really small cars yeah. and, I, and yeah that's so you I subscribe think, to the slow car, fast thing? Kind of, yeah, kind of. And I also like really fast cars. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I really <laughs> like fast cars. And um, some of the best drives I've had are in really quick, yeah. really quick cars, to be fair. So, uh, so I like them both. But I have got, yes, I've got a big soft spot for, for what mainstream manufacturers can do with not many resources yeah. in cars that make them not very much money, um, but they still put a lot of effort into 
and I think there's as a, as a moral goodness to that. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. really, I really value. They don't that. have to do this, but it's nice. Yeah, they don't, yeah, they didn't. Ford didn't have to make the '97 Focus a great handling car, but decided it, it wanted to. Yeah, you know, and it gave them a an edge over most of the competition. And yeah, exactly. Like Toyota don't have to make. You've come in your GT86, which is my favourite sports car of the past 10 years I would like to I've not driven a GR yet looks good it's nice I would like to it's drive like, it's one. like a it's like a GT but it's a bit more a bit sophisticated pokier. yeah it's, and it's yeah it's just a bit sort of smoother and more refined all round but I but, but and, it, and no heavier which is the nice thing yeah but it's, I think the GT86 is great and Toyota must have made not very much money on I don't think they did I that, don't think they sold know. as many as they should have no I mean for a company that makes what is it, 15 million cars a year? I don't know what they make, but it's a lot of cars every year, certainly. Yeah. You know, the number of GT86s they make is not going to keep them in, mm. you know, it's not going to keep them in biscuits, is it? So, and I, this is not a, a, a I, yes, I did actually. I was talking to a Toyota engineer on a, not a GT86 job, but about, about justifying a car like that. And I've also spoken to, um, to give without saying who it is because he sort of said it was rather off the record. He's like, yeah, look, you can't say I say this. But he also worked on a, a specialist sports car at a big Japanese car company. Right. And he's like, the these things make money because we just try and find ways of showing that they make money. Yeah. And actually, yes, the development costs for the engine of this car may have been three million pounds, but actually we sort of hooked it onto that project for this car so actually some of it's worth so it, we actually said it ended up costing a million and a half to develop the engine even though it was more yeah, yeah. because there are nice people in car companies who are car enthusiasts who want to make cool cars yeah, yeah. and they'll try and find a, a way of doing it they exist isn't yeah it? absolutely the, the bean yeah. counters don't always win yeah quite yeah um, quite and I think there's a yeah there's a lot of and the same with motorsport I don't know how unless a manufacturer is selling racing cars and making a profit as mm. say Porsche or Radical do how somebody from a company like I don't know Ford or Nissan or whoever can justify signing well, off like for at Le Mans this year. Yeah, I mean it's just <laughs> it just yeah. How do you how do you just how do you quantify the number of road cars you sell by the yeah. by your racing budget? And there's, I'm not sure there's a way to do it's it, but I'm glad to they fall do it. Within marketing budgets, and yeah, it's just somewhere. somebody would just go, yeah, we'll pick up a tab for that because we think it'll be cool to do. Yeah. And it the, is cool to do. The fun thing about the Le Mans thing was that NASCAR that was there. Oh, I wish I'd seen that. Camaro NASCAR. And yeah. everybody was on their feet clapping when it put finished. Oh, great. So about... Yeah, that's terrific. I think it was like three or four hours before the end. Mm. Jensen Buckman was in it and the gear the gearbox pretty much went. Oh, really? Or the transaxle went, something right. like that. They had to pull it in and replace it all. Mm. And it, you could feel the sadness... And then when it came back out, like everyone was like, yes, yeah, it's bet. still going. Was it much louder than everything else? Yeah. And does it look, because in the pictures, it looks bigger than it's everything. It's huge. It's aggressively massive, especially because it was between the LMP and the GTE cars. Right. So you just, everything in front of it in every photo was a tiny little LMP car. Yeah. And then a Camaro. It's not exactly like, it's a Camaro with bits added to it. Oh, they're enormous, yeah. So it was a huge thing. And then it was faster than everything. That is cool. It was, there was a video that came out of it overtaking an LMP2 Oh, I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. Yes. And And you could see him catching up like, get out of the way. Yeah, come on, get out (laughs) of the way. So LMP, it just got a bit of the the clip I'd seen in the slow corners, the aero of the LMP, it just pulled away a bit and then the straight came. And he just, just went. went it was fantastic. That's really cool. And I, I also like the fact that it was 
it's NASCAR down to the fact they have to get in and out through the window. Yeah. You know. Just and with the hands device and everything, it looked yeah, like a pain in the back. Play. Yeah, fair play. <laughs> I think that's really cool. Um, I think that's really cool. I've not watched a NASCAR race properly, but I did go to the... Um, I have been to one of the factories where they put them together, and yeah. they are enormous operations. They're unbelievably sophisticated. Well, that's very much for a win on Sunday, sell on Sunday, yeah, Monday thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is, yeah. And for a... I mean, I mean, I say sophisticated. It's not a sophisticated formula per se because it's you know they're they're supposed to be very similar to each other. Mm. But they put these. There are the body can be a. There are tolerances in the body shape that you're allowed to put on. So they put this car in a room, and then they basically start hand beating the panels, and it's all laser uh, sighted to see exactly how many millimeters it is this way and that way. And they just start beating up the panels until they've got exactly just on the limit of how wide it is allowed to be at this point to that point. And then they've got long and short chassis depending on which circuit they're going to. And I can't remember the exact number, but one of the blokes was saying, yeah, this driver will have, I want to say, five or six different cars. And they right. will be, two will be at this race circuit. One will be on its way over to another circuit. Or two will be on its way over to another circuit. And then we'll have another spare car at the factory in build for the following race. And they're all... Wow. Built very slightly differently to very different specifications depending on the track and everything. Just, I mean, it's, they take it really. Take it really seriously. It's yeah, really seriously. How if you ever speak to anyone who works in Formula One logistics, mm. everything's overlapping. And yeah. while they're at one race, there's a whole other team of people moving yeah, containers moving to another. I I used to work for UPS, who sponsored Ferrari. I don't mm. know if they still do. Um, and I was at the Belgian Grand Prix with work. And a load of the, the logistics engineers were there. I was chatting away. He's like, "Oh yeah, there'll be a, a shipping container on its way to whatever the next race is after Spa, right. and then there'll be another shipping container for the one after that." And the only thing that moves race by race is basically the chassis and the engines that they're uh, not allowed okay. to replace. Yeah. But all the other bits that they can have spares of are all just constantly just all moving around, around the planet. It's mad. It is how much it? logistics there is. It is. Um, yeah. And then you think of something like Formula E, and you go. If you are doing the same amount of logistics, how much benefit are we gaining from the electric? Yeah, I mean, yes, it's a, it's. I mean, it's not sustainable in itself, is it? But if it, it makes a sustainable budget, uh, if it makes a sustainable point, then yeah. I suppose it's, yeah. Hopefully, it's like reporting on, you know, it's like taking a massive diesel-powered ship to report on, to report on, you know, climate change. I mean, yeah. you know, somebody's got G20 to, it's got to be done. Yes, exactly. <laughs> this stuff's got to be done. Yeah. Um, yeah. So tell me a bit more of the your kind of backstory because it's mainly about you rather than what's going on in the car world. Really. Uh, well, I'm an engineer by um, profession. I, I I loved cars when I was a kid, and I think because my dad uh, my dad used to work for the Ministry of Defence as a uh, in a in a camp where they where they trained soldiers to fix tanks and Land Rovers and stalwarts and all that kind of stuff. So I used to go to school with him, uh, go to work with him when you were allowed a couple of times a year, and it was cool. Yeah, walk around sheds with tanks and stuff. So I like engineering, uh, and I kind of wanted to be a car designer, maybe, and then didn't do the right GCSEs and A-levels because nobody tells you when you're 13 that actually if you want to do a design degree, you're going to need... Physics. You're going to need that and that. Yeah, so <laughs> I ended up coming to the end of my A-levels and, and talking um, a very kind lecturer at the University of Hertfordshire into letting me on to their automotive engineering degree, even though I'd only done two A-levels. Um, two appropriate A-levels yeah. I'd done maths and, and graphics and I didn't do physics or anything else and um, 
he was like, I'm sure you'll be fine. And it, it was just about fine. It was it wasn't really fine. Anyway, it was, right. it was fine in the end. So I yeah, studied automotive engineering and then um, I was going to get a job at a plastics company where I'd done my industrial placement. And they were a second-tier supplier. They supplied... Um, they made injection moulding tools, a lot for MG Rover at the time. So the, oh, right. so, I'd, so, I've, so the only bit of car that I've actually worked on, worked on, was the uh, Rover 25 centre console mould right. and the Land Rover Discovery 2, I think, uh, grill, which was a big t- moulding, which was a really big moulding tool. Yeah. Um, anyway, I was going to go back and get a job with them after I graduated and then um, uh, I was... There was a, a, a sign on the university notice board from a local journalist called Peter Burgess who ran a, an agency called Motoring Research. Um, saying he wanted a picture researcher for six weeks over the summer. So, and I thought, oh, well, I won't start at this plastics company until September, October, or whatever. So I'll see if I'll see if he, you know, if he's interested. And um, he took me on, and for the summer, and then two weeks into it, said, "Well, I've been thinking about taking somebody on full time. Would yeah. you do you want a job?" And I was like, oh, "Actually, yes, that would be fair enough." Uh, yeah, that sounds good. So I did that, and then stayed with him for three years. So doing picture research well picture research over the over the summer and then he started getting me to write stuff right. um about halfway through that that thing so he used to publish a uh, a publication called the the express world car guide right which had a short road test of every car on sale in the world wow. or thereabouts um there were some weird ones which you, nobody had ever driven and stuff like that but it had a only like 200 300 words about every car um, so I started writing some of those, and then I used to write some daily news for Glasses Guide, the um, car valuation people. They had a little online news subscription. I did um, some data input because they used to run Auto Express's new car and used car prices. So I used to spend a day a month, a couple of days a month, doing that. It was a really good all-round grounding in stuff. Write a bit of fleet, some fleet stories, some of the fleet titles. Um, and it was yeah, it was a good place to it was a good place to learn how to be a journalist. Really, it seems very non-linear, and I come across this quite often where people have a very non-linear path. And you would go, oh, you must have done writing at uni and then yeah. gone and got a, an entry-level writing position, and then just worked up through. And, yeah, and it's, it's like, well, not really. No, no it's funny how it doesn't. It w- I don't know if it would have been better. I like the uh, the fact that I understand cars. Mm. That was a, I I thought and still do think that was a real benefit. Um, but I, I do see some of the people we take on who have worked at local newspapers or have done journalism, proper journalism courses. Yeah. And I think, mm, yeah, actually you have something at your stage of your career that I did not have um, in terms of you know, news gathering and awareness of, you know, the first time I did a, a media law training was when I started at Haymarket, right. you know, 15, 18, 17, 18 years ago, you know, and I hadn't had any to that point. And it's... Um, and I have to have a two-year law refresher now, otherwise we are, you know, not insured if we get sued. Oh wow! Which doesn't happen very often, I don't think, to Haymarket. But, and what you does know. the the law, media law thing? Oh, it's cool. Entail. It's really interesting. So it, it's everything from copyright and intellectual copyright through to um, what you can and can't use from other people's. So if you're if you're quoting somebody else, the amount of stuff that you could take from somewhere else to to use as a as a quote, um, 
libel and slander law, which is which is interesting. Privacy, uh, which is really interesting. I had my refresher a few weeks ago, and it's really cool. I you know I sort of look forward to it actually because it's an afternoon of, and they're quite uh, we run quite good quite good courses as well. They are quite interactive, and somebody will say, okay, here is an example um, from. Ten years ago, a royal was having a birthday party. The Daily Mail published these photos of it. They took them to court. Who won? And right. you just sort of spend five minutes chatting about it, yakking about it, and go, well, it depends. They took overhead pictures with a, with a drone. Could you see the party location from the road if they hadn't used a drone? No. So, OK, is that an invasion of privacy? Is public money being spent on it? No, actually. So you don't necessarily have a right to know when this party's happening and so on and so forth. Yeah. Anyway, so it, it's that sort of back and forth thing and it's really and it's really really easy and it's not a, you know it's not forefront of mind for most of the things I do but it's you know it's a really one it's well one you journalists should should have it and yeah. it's certainly a, yeah a, a big publishing house would need it Keeps but it's yeah, trouble, and it's it? just cool yeah it's just, and it's just interesting it's fun, it's a good f- fun afternoon some people you know, you get a training course and you think, oh, God, have I really got to do a manual handling training course in my job? How can I but this click through this as quickly as Yeah, exactly, yeah. Can I click through it and have a go at the end of getting the answers, no, getting the answers right? Yeah, I'm but never going to have to lift anything doing this job, <laughs> no, so why do I have exactly. to do this training? But it's, yeah, so but that is one that is really useful, really interesting. And it you say, they show us front covers of, you know, the, okay, this is, I don't get the magazines wrong, but, you know, okay, here is a PC Monthly magazine cover. Somebody started a new title uh-huh. called Computer month or whatever do they look similar enough to so and so sue the other one and say no you're passing off that that magazine because people will think it's ours yeah and there's you know in the same way that yeah and you know in the same way that shop own brand breakfast cereals mimic the look of Kellogg's and things yeah. like that. All of the, it's the all that frosted sort of flakes ones have a tiger on them. Yeah, no, exactly. Or the yeah. cornflakes have oh, a and just, on them. And also just through to, um, yeah, not using trademarks in... in be, beware of using trademarks in copy because sellotape and porter cabin get annoyed if you refer to sticky tape and portable buildings as one of theirs, unless it's definitely one of theirs. Right, I'm with you. And uh, we ran, once ran a feature called the B-Road BAFTAs, uh, which was a which was a supplement with a mag. It came in a bag, as bagged issue, so plastic bag, separate supplement, 10 of the best cars on B-roads in the UK, and then, sure enough, about three weeks later, a letter came from BAFTA going, um, you know, you can't do that. You can't that. call it the <laughs> you, know, you can't call your feature the, BAFTA, the B-road BAFTAs, because that is our... And somebody <laughs> had to write back and go, oh, yes, we're very, very sorry. And they, they didn't take it any further, but they, they were very good about it. They were very gracious about it, if I remember, but, um, yeah... So things like that we should know. Yeah, things like that we should know. Yeah, and if I don't, and if all of our journalists don't do that, then uh, technically, if something does happen, They're we're not, not in, we're not insured if we ended up with a big payout. I think the the worrying, the worrisome ones are probably inadvertent data breaches and things like that yeah. because you can get a really big fine for for that sort of stuff, and you may not mean well, you, you know, yeah, nobody means nobody means to do it. But yeah, the amount of the amount of private information you store, even from just people who write into the into the mag and what you do with it. Yeah. Somebody once, as an example on the course, somebody said that somebody tried suing a magazine because they'd written a letter to the editor 
who had then published it as a letter, and this person had gone, hang on a minute, you can't publish that, it's my copyrighted work. And then, but there was a bit of back and forth, and I think it possibly went to court where, where a judge decided, no, look, if you write a letter to the editor, it is kind of assumed that they may well, yeah. you know, they may well publish that in a letter, unless you specifically say don't. Yeah, this is just it's probably okay. Read. Yeah, but it's, uh, and also what people say on social media, there was a, there was a, a court case where um, a woman who had been a domestic abuse victim and she posted something about her former partner and he tried suing her because he said, the language you've used suggests I was trying to kill you and I wasn't. And that went to court. And wow. the judge said, no, actually, in this case, we accept that actually what she was saying on social media, quite right, actually quite rightly, has a lower threshold of accuracy than in journalism and what she said about you is not defamation yeah. because one you're not a very nice piece of work but also she's not actually beholden to the same standards and she wrote it on a facebook post not in a magazine or whatever yeah and um and actually mate had you not brought anybody's attention to it it would have been better for you in the first place yeah streisand effect so, isn't yes exactly that yeah, yeah exactly for those that don't know yeah. there was a photo of barbara streisand's house on the internet she didn't want anybody to know that that's what her house was, so yeah. she made a big deal about it, having it removed. I think before she made a mention of it, it was at like 20 views on this picture. Right. And as soon as she was like, this needs to take it down, blah, 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 it shot up to like millions. Yes, everybody had seen And everyone was like, nobody would have known yeah, this picture existed. It was on known. some backwater yeah, website. nobody just, would have known. Yes, exactly. And it was a site that was like just cataloguing the houses that were on the coast. Oh, really? see from the plane. So did it not even say it was her... I don't think so. I think oh, it was just a photo of her house. Yeah. And it was just like, this is house number one, this is house number two. And it, it wasn't like, here's George Clooney's, here's Bob. Yeah. It was just, if you go here's along this house. coast, you can see these houses. That's bad, isn't that it? That was enough to spark this big lawsuit. For, I think she sued for some ridiculous money. And then everyone was like, oh, we've got to see the photo then. And all flooded this website. And That's terrific. It was, but it's now known as the Streisand yes. effect. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's brilliant. But it's that same concept. If if he'd not made a deal out of it, it would have been her. Yeah, exactly. It would have been. Yes, exactly. It would have been. You and I would never have heard of this story. No, no, exactly. Yeah, but um, but yeah. So it's yeah. It's an interest. It's an interesting day at work. I quite enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. How do we get onto that? Sorry. I think I was just asking you what it's like to be a car journalist and where you came from. But oh, again, yeah. we go off on some tangents, which, yeah, is, um, which is the fun part of doing this so casually. Oh yeah. So yeah. So yeah. So. Uh, yeah, so our some yeah some of our journalists who have a proper journalistic background, they do yes. they do, but but in a way that's not what I do is not that one. I was always better at present at writing reports in my degree than I was at working things out anyway. But in a way, it's not that dissimilar to some kind of engineering testing program. We all go away and test something with you know with a goal in mind, and you come back and you write it up and you present the conclusions, and yeah. that's kind of what I do. Now, I managed to do the... better than my brother in art for my ability to just explain what I was doing. My brother is creatively oh, very really? good and very artistic. Yeah. And my brain is very good at following the paths I've taken to get to somewhere. So I had an okay-looking piece of artwork, but I could explain every bit of it really well. Well, that does help. That really does help. And that I got communication like a, an A or a B. Yeah. But my brother made a magnificent-looking piece of art, and he was like, oh, I just I felt like doing this. Yeah, so what is it, yeah. Because that's, you know, what an artist would do, yeah. just follow what the feeling. What is it? Yes, yeah, so what is it? Yeah, I did find in the shed uh, a few years ago a piece of work that I'd written about materials, in one of my materials um, assignments, which was, all right, here is a passenger cell in a limited-run sports car slash supercar. Mm high level, low volume, high high value, what materials would you use for each 
section of the thing. What would you use the floor for the pillars, for the roof, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so I said, well, you'd resist these, 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 yes. And uh, it amused me when I found, found it. I'd forgotten all about it. And I found the, the my lecturer's comments on it, which were like, well, your conclusions are wrong, but you've argued the case quite well. <laughs> and I <laughs> yeah, thought, well, there you go. That's, you got that's my job through and through. You did a good job getting <laughs> Yeah, there. you explained it well. So, so um, yeah, there you go. That, well, that's why I do this for a living. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's, it's really interesting. I, I've, within the last few months started doing a little bit of written work for a friend who runs a site and he was like mm. like some nice interesting stories that are relative to mental health and stuff like that within the automotive world and done bits and bobs here and there and it's a really nice thing to learn and to get better at like you've you can tangibly see yourself improving and yeah. you can read back what you've written and gone oh that was a bit crap but this one's actually really good I did I've gotten better at doing this mm. the trouble I have is I'm really bad with deadlines He's like, can you send me one every month? I'm like, yeah, yeah, and it will always be the 28th. I'm like, here you go. And he's like, right, okay, so we're just going to do it the next month every time because I'm, if I know that it needs to be in by the end of the month, on the 28th, I'll write it because my well, brain will then go, that's right. oh, crap, yeah, you've got that thing yeah. to do. And if you don't, look, if somebody doesn't want it before, the, if they say the deadline's the 28th, they don't, well, then you'll have it on the 28th. Yeah. That's fine. Well, my that's my fine. other half is, she's incredibly academically clever. Mm. And she's one of those that if she knows she's got an exam or something coming up, she will spend six months beforehand making sure everything's right and she'll do it bit by bit. And it's just a nice casual amount oh, of nice pressure. nice glide bath into the... And then I'll get there and I'll go, oh, this is due tomorrow. And I'll just do it. And it was a problem when I was at school. There was a girl that, re- that was very similar to my other half in how she studies. Mm. She'd study hard and she'd learn everything and she'd get the exact same grade as me. She hated me for it. Because I was like, I don't need to do that. I can learn the concept... And then I can apply that to whatever question is given to yeah. me. And that's the skill that I possess, is my ability to unpack a concept and learn how it works and then take information, feed it into the concept and give you an answer that works. Whereas your ability is to spend time learning everything that might be asked of you and knowing what answer relates to what question. Yeah. I can't do that. I can't retain information in that way. But I can learn if you ask me this question... I can feed it into the process and give you the right answer because I've learned the process, not the yeah. the output. And 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 those that that time building up to it, even if you may not have written, if you've got got to write something, even yeah. if you haven't written it, the the fact that it's milling around in your head on the, oh, yeah, on yeah. the days up towards it are part of the. Well, this month's one will I be. I think you've just got to accept, you know, especially as you get more deadlines, you accept that that's part of the, just part of it. Yeah, you know, it's just part of the. The, the sitting thinking process yeah. it's sort of working itself out in your head before you've even put stuff on paper well this month will be about how good it is to go away with your mates and do a road trip oh cool yeah because I've just done that yeah. and I knew that that's what I was probably going to write about anyway because I've done that before mm. and I've, I've talked briefly about just the the intangible value of that for when you're say in five years time I'll look back on that trip and it'll make me feel warm inside oh, that's true. Yeah. because I was with my best mates and we were sat drinking a couple of beers in the sun in the French city with a motor race nearby and it's not a tangible thing but it means so much more value and for mental well-being especially having those kind of positive memories that when you look back on you get that warm feeling it's so beneficial mm. but it's hard to quantify you can't go if you go on three road trips a year, you'll feel this much better. No, like exactly. You go, no, exactly. Spend some time you just, with your best mates and just yeah, be present yeah. in the moment with your mate. Trust us, you'll probably feel better. Yeah. Is, is, your, back, is your background in mental health? Or to a certain extent. Like I did work in secure hospitals for three years. Right. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, I did know that. 
Which is technically a background in mental health, but yeah. not a professional, if that makes sense. I, I was just there. I was yeah. stopping people from hurting themselves and keeping the peace and mm. watching people sleep 80% of the time because I mainly work night shifts. Yeah. Whereas Mother Half, who's an actual psychologist, has sat and studied and learned the theory and how mm. things work. So she's a, an actual professional. And I just wander around going, this might help. We should try that. Mm. From my experience dealing with this firsthand, this is what helped in this situation. That's my kind of background. Yeah versus I've read a lot of books. Do they consult, do sort of senior stuff, want of a better phrase, you know, do, do, do they consult porters and assistants and things like that and say, hang on, have you, how have you found with this patient? To that, a certain extent they do. So the structure is you'll have, the structure that I worked within was you have healthcare workers who then report directly to nursing staff. Hmm. So someone who is an actual qualified nurse they will then report to a ward manager. And a ward manager is normally a nurse that's worked up. Gotcha. So they've had a lot of first-hand experience. And then the ward managers will have, they'll be part of like a management team. So you have the ward managers, psychologists, directors of the hospital, just everybody in a position of like control over a different thing. Mm. And then they'll sit and have the discussions. So what I experience will almost directly go into those meetings okay. because I would have some access to a ward manager if they were there in the day yeah. but the nursing staff do a lot of handovers and stuff like that so oh, we've just had the aircon switch oh, itself I off switch it back on. I'm going to switch it back on um, this is going to get noisy for a sec but sorry. otherwise it's going to be oh, this is going to get we'll very hot in here very quickly we've got yeah. a, a panoramic roof and seven windows eight yeah. windows um, Oh, the microphone levels have just dropped. Oh, so the engine might... Oh, the engine will kick out again in a minute, hopefully. <laughs> um, but this will be much Is that all right? Yeah, Sorry, yeah. Sorry for the noises. in the GT86 who has oh, yeah, no air con at the minute. That is bad. Yeah, I hope it's nothing too serious because it's I not the time of year to not have air con in I a car. I think there's a split pipe somewhere oh, okay. on. So I, I took it into Toyota for a service three weeks ago. I said, oh, can you top up the air con? Yeah. And they said, oh, we can't, there's a, a split pipe. And I, I just thought it'd run out of gas. Mm. And I took it to QuickFit, and they said, oh, it's the special expensive gas. And uh, we don't have that. So then yeah. it went to Toyota for a service anyway. Yeah. And they said, there's a split pipe. And they were like, that'll be 400 pounds if you want that fixed. And I was like, wow. I think I can just drive to France with the windows yeah, down. Yeah, probably cope with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> probably have the window open. For to a be bit. fair, because French speed limits are 130, mm. which is about 83, 84, yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah. If you have the windows down a little bit, there's enough airflow that you don't really cook yeah. too much. And I quite like, I mean, I wouldn't sit in this car with no air conditioning on and the, and the doors closed. But, well, one of the nice thing about it being a, a PHEV is you can drive to the, you can drive to the coast or whatever mm. on, a, on a sort of winter's evening and it's cold outside. But actually with the engine off and everything off, you can still have it warm inside, yeah, yeah. which is really nice. But also the, um, uh, yeah, I wouldn't sit in here with a, windows closed and get sweltering but I do actually just quite like having a window open and I think the, the, the human body gets used to temperature changes really yeah. quickly and if you just em, embrace the change in temperature a bit you, yeah, get, you can get by without it yeah, and, you just, and then it's not so bad at night when you don't, you know, if you sit in, a, in an air conditioned office all day and then go out and try and sleep at, sleep at night in normal conditions, you suddenly go, oh I'm really hot yeah. but if you've just been hot in the day you just go I know, it's just okay. Staying hot. Yeah, you just don't. Yeah, I get. Yeah, so I'm. I mean, I say that I hate being cold, but I I quite like being warm, and I just yeah. yeah. 
basking just slow down a bit just it was, basking it it was funny last night um, when, when I got back Grace uh, she, she either touched my arm or my shoulder and she went you're really clammy but your skin's really cool I was like that's mm. how sweat works yeah, that's yeah amazing <laughs> believe it or not biologically yeah. that's why we sweat that's why we do it she's like yeah. oh go and have a cold shower you <laughs> you're all clammy yeah, yeah. Um, I forget that we're so in the countryside that uh, bloody pheasant's just wandered yeah out. pheasant has surprised yeah he's he's done well to last uh, looks like he's limping to, now yeah he does yeah. yeah he does doesn't he actually yeah he's done well to last the winter without um, getting shot at the nearby farm but um, <laughs> those birds actively run into traffic though, oh they, they are unbelievable yeah they are just it's just like this, it's willful you know, they just—they're just desperate to be. I have yeah, to be on the right. other side of the road as soon as you yeah, come near. As soon as you come anywhere near, I'm going to be near. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it is quite. Yeah, it's pretty. I really enjoy being quite rural here. The problem is, there's no. Um, What's the Wi-Fi well? That's a problem. Like? There, the Wi-Fi is actually it was it was awful, and it is now good because they put uh, super fast oh, fibre yeah. in um, last year. Perfect. So it's become. It was awful because I do quite a lot of. Uh, video sending back and forth stuff and that, you yeah. know, the size of the files is enormous and it used to be hugely problematic I, it would be quicker for me to drive to the office with which is in Twickenham with a memory stick <laughs> and send something than it would be to send it from home and I yeah quite quite routinely I would set a computer up at night to send something uh, and it wouldn't necessarily be sent by the morning and I'd, you know, computers obviously love shutting down if you don't do anything with them. So I'd have to set a little video just on loop on the laptop oh, so that right. it stayed open you all night. Do the trick while with the it's while second hand on a watch with your mouse. What's that? If you put a mouse on top of a watch that has a second hand. Oh really? The little sensor never. Oh, stops I've never tried tripped. that. I've never tried that. It was a well, COVID I don't, I don't, I've only ever used. I've, I've only, I've only recent, recent in the last I don't know ten years. I've not used a mouse. I suppose. But right. Yeah. Trackpad. But yeah, that's quite. A, yeah. I. Well, what, a, what a genius idea. It, it's anyway, a, it's now terrific. It's it was a now, COVID hack, that. You know how oh, computers so could monitor your activity? So that the computers didn't show they were idle. Yeah. Oh, that's very clever. Yeah, that's very clever. That's from. very clever. Same with a, if you put a mouse on a fuzzy, like a furry pillow. Mm. You know those really fluffy ones? Yeah. Because of all the fibres, it never really settles. Oh, really? And that has the same effect. So the same effect. The, the generation Gen Z have been really good at coming up with ways to get around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the monitoring. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's, yeah. there's so many memes where it's like it will be the boomer is in a shirt and tie on the phone call, and then a millennial will be in a t-shirt but sat at the laptop, mm. and then Gen Z's got his big headphones on. He's just in a park wandering around somewhere. It's, like, <laughs> it's such a much more what, like. Are you what? Are you, are you Gen Z? Are you, are you a millennial? Or are you I too? Young, you're too young for that, are you? I'm just in millennial. Okay. So I'm 30 this week. Right. Oh, so yes. So my are, parents yeah. are Gen X. Yeah. And then my grandparents are boomers. Yeah, because I'm just. You'll be Gen X. Just about. Yeah, I'm. I'm late 40s, so I'm not. Not that far off a millennial. No. Actually. no. But the weird, the, the weird thing is that when I was, uh, well, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, people were going, all oh, these young millennials who, you know, oh, you just want to drink iced coffee. Oh, just uh, you don't want to do anything. <laughs> they just want to do this, and then. You get to the point. I read a newspaper article the other day. Is if you're a millennial and you have Gen Z, Gen Z is reporting to you. Here's how to cope with it. And you just say, this is just what it does yeah. all the time. And Gen X obviously used to be the cool generation, well, but I've there'll watched, be a time when we're when whoever's beyond Gen Z will be going. Oh, Gen those bloody Gen Xers! Oh, those Gen Xers! They're just yeah. you know, and it's it's just nonsense. <laughs> it's just nonsense. And every time, sometimes you you know just. When you get on social, and it was a D Day 
anniversary, wasn't it? Not long ago. Some of the social posts you see from some mad old bugger going, well, the kids today wouldn't do that. You think, you have no idea what they'd do, actually. And you know what? They would. Because they do, actually, they do put themselves in awful situations all the time for the yeah. for the greater good you know so and it's just it seems yes it just seems to be a uh, a thing where you know people complain about other people for the fun of it yeah. have you ever yeah. read the book generation x no it's quite a good read and it is one of those where it's like his mate just builds effectively a house out of rocks that he's collected because mm. he had nothing better to do right and they work in a it's like a wild western ranch that's they're like actors and this that and the other He's like, what's the point in all of this? And it's just this guy going through this period of his life going, this is pointless, what an absolute <laughs> waste of time. And what is the value? What life is, everything yeah, is. Just wow. literally like, my mate's collecting rocks and building a bloody house because he bought a plot of land for no money and he's just building it. And then all of a sudden it becomes a thing and all these people go and see it. And he's like, what is the point in all of this? And it's just this guy t- being an early 20s-something mm. guy going, I don't know why I'm here. It's a good read, and it was oh, quite a big that. book, and I think yeah. that's what spawned the the term Gen X. Oh, really? Was the book Generation X? Oh, okay. It was like it's almost like the Fight Club thing, where it's like we have no great war, we have no right. real thing, we're yeah. just existing to feed the machine. Yeah, um, it's a good book though. It's quite worth a read. I think oh, it's it might be no, it's not a Chuck Palahniuk book. Does he do the Dice Man, or is that not possibly? I think Chuck Palahniuk's Fight Club. Oh, okay, right. Okay. Um, and he's done a couple of other kind of edgy. Right. Yeah, there was a book, I can't remember who wrote it, but there was a book called The Dice Man, and he decided that he would make all of his decisions based on the role of a dice. Right. Uh, he's so, just playing Dungeons and Dragons then. Yeah, kind of, yeah. So somebody says, which starts off innocently, and it's somebody, oh, God, I haven't read it for 20 years, so I'm going to get it wrong, but so, you know, it starts off innocently and going, well, what am I going to have for dinner tonight? Well, you chuck a dice and you go, four, oh, fine, I'll yeah, have yeah. a pizza or whatever. But then it turns into, am I going to quit my job? Roll the dice. Just, what three to six? Yes, and it just and get yeah, and it just becomes a mad sort of thing. But <laughs> uh, yeah, so but the Gen X thing it sounds a bit not unlike um, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, which is a I think it's probably written in the late seventies, oh, and it's about okay. a guy. Well, it's about a guy a, a guy who is sort of rebuilding the relationship with his son on a motorcycle tour, but they've also got two friends with them, and he's on some old the motorcycle maintenance bit is he's on an old I don't know whatever it is probably a Harley Davidson or some some old thing that he's looking after himself and they've got a fairly newish mm. BMW that they can't fix themselves and it's about two different sort of ways of approaching yeah. life and whether you sort of get deeply involved or something or whether you have a slightly more materialistic but less in, involved sort of thing and it's I've mean, not read it for a long time but I sort of enjoyed it at the time I don't know if it will hold up it's funny now, that that was written in the 70s. Like He's got this BMW that he can't fix. Yeah, now it's exactly. Like you look at something from the 70s and go, oh, yeah. it's so simple. It would be so easy now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It would be so straightforward. Yeah. yeah. It may be later than that. I, I can't quite remember. Imagine this guy hearing it. about an OBD2 sensor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Impact. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, 400 quid for a split hose fix. Yeah, that's mad. <laughs> I asked, uh, so Luke's, um, they did the wheel bearing for me. I said, mm. do you think you could have a look? And his mechanic went, I don't have any of the... the the right tools to undo those fixings oh, it's all okay. a certain fixing yeah. for that bit so he's like you're just going to have to have the windows down <laughs> guess I'll have the windows down then yeah. um, but it's got me to France and back it sat quite happily at 1.30 on the mm. on the Auto Vista or Auto Piece or whatever they're called and uh, 
it kept up with so Luke was in a six is it a six litre XJS V12 oh cool uh, a Chaucer TWR one mm. and it pulling out of the services and getting out of the like the over the bridges oh. where they drop down to 90 and stuff yeah. basically matching his speed and then we were chatting about that and he went yes but this will keep going and yours will stop <laughs> yours will run out at some point it's a good point I think they top out about 140 the standard, is that a standard exhaust on that it is it? not no oh, it looks it's good. quite a noisy exhaust is it my neighbours love me <laughs> and I go to a lot of car things so I'm up early at weekends yeah um, if it's not that it's the Renault starter motor so one or the other yeah they can yeah. pick and choose yeah. but um no, that's not standard. Paul Cowlin's got a BRZ, mm. and he's got a different exhaust to mine and a header. It sounds even better. Oh, really? Um, but that is big enough to get a fist in, whereas the standard ones were 86 millimetres in diameter. Oh, of course they were. Of the, course they were. The bore is 86 uh, Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yes. It's, it's all it's part a of square that. square engine, isn't it? 86 by 86. Um, and does yours have, or have you tried, somebody told me about a... Whether it's just an airbox or something that it apparently it, because people sometimes complain about the flat spots in on the way through the rev range. Somebody's like, "Oh, I've got this airbox on my BRZ and it has smoothed it right out and it's uh, made it pull I much more tried cleanly." That, but I've not. Have, I've never tried it like that. Oh yeah, this. Sorry, yeah. So this bloody pheasant, pheasant right? Pecking at the car. Yeah, it's the time of year. I knew I was when we were talking about him earlier. I was thinking, why did I? Off. Why did I hate him the other week? No. His problem is, is that because it's May, June time and it's potential mating right. season for birds, and I get this with my motorbike up park there as well, I sometimes have to cover the mirrors oh, because okay. songbirds turn up and they can see themselves and they think it's another one. Right. And blue tits and great tits are particular, and robins. <laughs> robins are particularly territorial as well. So they see another one of them and they, and they just peck it. at it. Yeah, they oh, just, and okay. it just ruins their day because they just stand there. So this pheasant the other week... And this Alpina D3 that I'm, uh, I've got at the moment is I haven't I don't clean it a lot more than I need to. Yeah. But it and it but it's got black paintwork that is clearly very reflective. Yeah, yeah. And he was just standing the other day pecking at it, and I was sitting inside thinking, why is that noise? Why is that? Because there's no I've got no neighbours immediately, so I was thinking, what is that? Where is that noise coming from? It's not a you know it's it's not. Yeah. Where it, what is it? And I went outside, and this pheasant's yeah, just trying to pick and peck himself oh, to death. Basically, Can add some more dents to the uh, the car then. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> thankfully it, he's a bit of a soft lad, so that it will be no damage will occur. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's uh, it is a thing, it's and quite funny. yeah, the uh, yeah the mirrors are a, a problem this time of year because songbirds just see themselves and get all uppity about it, and you think this is a problem because you're not gathering food to feed your little yeah you're just going to spend babies. the whole day so, yeah so depending on depending on hasn't been such a big deal this year but last year I had to cover the mirrors on everything it's something you don't think about when you live in the countryside until you yeah in the until you get yeah until you get until you're sitting there thinking what is that what is that bird doing and it's um yeah it's quite interesting it's attacking its own reflection yeah um, hopefully he's not peeling the vinyl off because I've only just put those new blue hexagons on it they look cool by the way, I like this. It no, was he's coming round for the Alpina look. There he's having there a crack at himself. There he goes, he's having a go at himself. <laughs> he's just so Welcome dim. to the Tacona Talk they podcast where well. two men talk about, talk about a, a pheasant pecking yeah. at a car. Um, oh, my friend calls them little dinosaurs just because of the way they Oh, they do. Yeah, they have that thing. The, the, little, yeah, the, little, the little head going backwards and forwards oh. as they walk. Yeah. Yeah. So that is a, yeah, so that, anyway, that um, is an Alpina D3 yeah, how are you getting on with touring, that? which is great. 
it's because that's the effectively what you would have instead of an M three G. Um, it? Sort of, but that's well, that's, that's a D, so it's a diesel a rather than petrol. B. But yes, it is um, the diesel. Yeah, the diesel version thereof. It's on twenty-inch wheels and it's got thirty-profile rubber, so it's it's Hard. the f- yeah. So although it's not the firmness that's the problem, but I've I've run into two potholes recently. Once on the way back from um, the airport the other week, just on a on a sort of back road in Sussex when a motorway was shut. And I was like, oh, okay, fine, I'll take this, take this route and it'll get me to that junction there. And I suddenly went thump over this pothole and I thought, if that flattens that tyre and it, and it was that sort of whack that it might, yeah. I suddenly thought, I know there's no spare. It's two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I'm stuck. 15 miles from Gatwick. I am, I am going to be here for a long time. Um, thankfully, it, thankfully, it didn't. And I've hit another one since that had the sort of whack that you think that could have done some damage and it hasn't yeah. so I don't know what the wheels are you know I mean maybe they're super strong or something but it's very it's very cool but they do a 19 inch wheel but it doesn't have the classic Alpina many many spoke spoke. look about it which I like a lot yeah Um, but it's brilliant it's it's, I think a 3 series is the right size for me it's a wagon so it's practical it's got 3 litre straight 6 diesel which BMW doesn't yeah exactly BMW doesn't offer in the 3 series anymore because or not in the UK at least because um, they're obviously reducing their corporate average fuel economy um, fuel consumption so they're sort of dropping the thirstier models so you can get you can get a diesel 3 series but only the 2 litre whereas Alpina don't have to worry because they're a micro manufacturer they don't have to worry so much so it does 170 miles an hour on the autobahn and 50 (laughs) to the gallon when you're not on the autobahn and it's 600 500 600 mile range really refined it's still got a separate iDrive controller on the center console so it's not all touch screen yeah if somebody said well you know design your perfect daily that's it i mean you'd come up with something oh yeah not dissimilar to that i think i used to have an a6 of van Oh yeah, I loved that. Mm. And then I got the eighty-six, and then I was like, "Well, I'm going to drive this fast everywhere." Yeah, because it really encourages you to uh, yeah. with how it and drives. And it's not too fast, is it? That's no, what no. I love about them. That's so what I, I really love about them. I was out in a Megane RS this morning, mm. and from my house to Wilton Mill go kart track, yeah, is one road. Oh, we're Just not, the A5, is it? No, no, we're on the other side. Oh, okay, okay. So it's all it's one back road. Yeah, but it's wide. So there's two separate lanes passing. Right. You're not diving into hedges to avoid yeah. other cars. There's about 200 yards of 30 zone, mm-hmm. and there's always a police van there. So you have to do 30 through that bit regardless, yeah. as you should. But that bit of road is the right combination of fast and twisty, and there's two right-hand corners, like full 90-degree corners on it, and undulation. It's a really good bit of road. And my mate with the RS, he passenger road in the 86 coming down to France and back so he went oh you, I got you on the insurance after your wheel bearing went in case we had to take oh, it oh very clever so we might yeah. as well use might as well it. go for a drive so I drove that this morning and the way that picks up pace is entirely different to the, how that 86 yeah. drives what generation again is the that the new that one I think it's like a 19 oh okay, like okay. Yeah. oh they're really fast really new yeah and it was very quick but it didn't feel as fast mm. because you like you put your foot down oh there's the speed limit yes Whereas in that yeah. you, you have some build up, so you yeah, feel you like oh, we're getting slightly work up here. to it, don't you? Especially, and because it's naturally aspirated as well, you yeah. can sort of rev it out a bit, a bit and more. And just sit so much higher in the Megane. Yeah, I really struggled with the driving position because I'm used to having my legs all the way in front of me, mm-hmm. and having the steering wheel quite close, so I've got a lot of control. 
as in the McGann, you have to pick whether you want your legs out and your arms straight or yes. everything yeah. up. It. So it really took me a minute to get used to it, but yeah. just a completely different kind of car. Yeah. And he said that the 86 is more comparable to like a S2 Elise. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Yeah, I think that's probably quite a decent comparison. Which I've not driven, yeah. and I'd like to drive one now. Really to, cool. But the steering's yeah, so much really more direct. Cool. Oh, yeah, the steering on Elise is, um, is sensational. Because it's, it's unassisted, and they don't weigh that much. And yeah. blah, blah, blah. They're, they're just really spectacular. Yeah, they gained a bit over the years because, well, one, they got a bit heavier, but two, the way that they were measured changed a bit as well. I think the way that they were measured for EU slash DIN or whatever it was. So I think the first ones, they said they were like 700 kilos and they became eight, nine later. Yeah. But I don't think actually if you measure a, 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 an S1 and a late Series 2 full of fuel, there's necessarily that much quite as much between them as, as rated. But yeah, they are comfortably under a tonne. Which is um, a lot less than I'd that. Really, I really like, I'd really like one at some point, I've got to say. <laughs> it's that sort of... Um, I've, got a, I've got a friend who... Um, Simon Scott Russell, who is a Lotus specialist, right? And he so he works on Elise's a lot. And about two or three years ago, he said, "Oh, I've got a bloke who's emigrating, and he's got a Series One Elise. He wants to get rid of Sharpish, and he wants six thousand pounds for it." And I just I didn't have six thousand pounds at the time, but yeah. I'm thinking, why did I? Can't, can I have not found somewhere. it somewhere? Because it would now be a well, it's probably a ten, fifteen grand car, and what it's um, and you'd have had an amazing bit of fun in the meantime. Yeah. We were sat at Passport Control yesterday in a green S1 mm. with some five-spoke wheels. Oh, cool! And a roll cage. Oh, nice! Or like the hoop yeah. around the T-bar. Yeah. And it had the fog lights within the grille as well. Mm-hmm. And it just looked the absolute V. Really it's the perfect yeah. spec. Becoming a proper nice classic car now, aren't they? Yeah. I think. Yeah. And I, I saw that. I was like, I would have one of those. Yeah. And then not be able to go anywhere because I've got no boot space. I've moved house in the '86 three times. Oh, really? They're really practical, aren't they? Yeah, because well, the same seats go down. I've, yeah, I picked up. Uh, I ran. I ran one not long after they were launched for a few months. And yeah, I remember picking up links of four by two from the yeah. DIY shop and going. Well, I've well, got they go, a they just three by three through. gazebo. I oh, can get really? that in there. Yeah. My, my other half has to sit with her knees against the dashboard, <laughs> but, but it will go in there. Yeah. And this weekend I'm on my own, so I don't have to worry about that bit. So I can just cram it full of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So yes, the Elise has a little boot behind the engine, but it gets pretty warm as well. Mm. From memory, I mean, it's been a while since I drove one, but oh, I miss I miss driving one. I've been, it's been. I've like, never driven one. In all fairness, I've only really been in in the car world, so to speak, mm. since t- late 2019. Mm-hmm. So I've had a year and a half of COVID and all the knock-on effects of yeah. that. And it's only so it's probably only been really eighteen months where I've actually been properly in the car world. So I'm learning all of this stuff. I've not got a lot of the oh I drove that, I drove that, I drove that. Yeah. And people often go, What's oh, the best thing you've ever driven? I'm like, I've driven like eight cars. <laughs> the four that I've owned and then a couple that I've been allowed to have a go in. Yeah. That's about it. But well, that's okay. That's all right. Um, that's all right. It, it all comes with it all comes with Well all, yeah, it all comes with I mean one, it all comes with time, but also it's the the nice thing about the it's possible to be in this business and have an audience and talk to people without having to have. Yeah. And it's some. Uh, it's a when people used to write to us and say, "How do I, yeah, how do I get to be a journalist or how do I do this?" Um, and some of the motivation was 
specifically so that they could sort of borrow press cars for tests and stuff like that. And I think the nice thing about the business these days is you can talk to a lot of people and build an audience without necessarily having to be in a yeah. car every time. And I do think that. I think if anything, if I wasn't driving different cars every week, could I still effectively make a living out of talking about cars? Probably could actually. Probably yeah, find yeah. a way to do it. And if you look at yeah. the likes of, say, Road Rat, where they go into the history of yeah. cars and a lot of the stories, yeah. and it's not we've driven. Yeah, there's driven so many stories. Yeah, there are so many more stories to tell than just this week I was driving yeah. X. Yeah. How's um, Autocar been with the advent of things like social media and someone say like the intercooler that can? Oh uh, well, it's inter- I mean, it's interesting because because I think sometimes there's a because we've been a old school car magazine for 128 years people sort of think that it's somehow different to the other stuff but you know Autocar's got big social followings on all of the major channels as well you know we've got an 800,000 subscriber YouTube channel we do a podcast Uh, so we are across everything so I don't know whether it's I don't it's it's impossible to quantify how how Mm. it's affected us either way but I sort of like to kid myself that the more people talking about cars in general the better anyway yeah i think publishing in general and all not just specialist motoring but most publishing that's found this is that because journalists love talking to as big an audience as possible they worry less about where the money is coming from as a result of that and publishing in general has just given everything away free for the past 20 years you know and i'm crikey i'm as guilty as anyone because i worked for a channel 4 website called four car Right, yeah. Between 2000 and 2005. And it was, at the time, and I'm not overplaying it, I don't think, I think it was the, well, it was, yeah, it was the best motoring website in the UK. It had more car reviews, it had more news, it had more features than any other. It was, it was, and it had top spec, top grade writers. Yeah. It was brilliant. It was really, really good. Um, and it was all free. And that's, and that's fine when advertising pays for a small number of people to do it, but, you know, ultimately, can this stuff be sustainable long term? And when manufacturers then don't have any cars to sell, which as a result of the chip shortage and everything else, they have been able to sell every single car that they make. Yeah. So they don't bother advertising so much. And then when that advertising revenue drops, I mean, we've seen some publications That's go by the wayside because, you know, the advertising revenue drops. And it's given all publishers a, a problem because you suddenly go, oh, actually quite a lot of our web traffic was dependent on advertising. Yeah. And now, or not web traffic, in, but income. So now we're talking to just as many people, but the income's gone down and we're doing more more work on effectively Smaller less money. You know. um, and I think publishing in general has a case to answer for the fact that it has made this problem for itself mm. over the past two decades. Um, and it's, uh, you know, you because, because as journalists we like to talk to lots of people, you know. But if, and I, I've come to the way of thinking if somebody said, well, you, you can talk to a million people a year and get paid 50 quid, or you can talk to 50 people a year but get paid a million quid, I've now come away <laughs> out of thinking, actually, maybe, like yeah, people. actually, I just, you know, I want, I want to work for, you know, I, I enjoy working somewhere that has a pretty sound, you know, a pretty sound financial footing. And it's, impo- yeah. it's important because it's, yeah, it also gives you an independence from, advertising which is important yeah, yeah. and uh, so yeah it's interesting I, I'm yes I'm intrigued um, yeah about some of the some of the other new ventures and I do think I've got a thing about publishing where I would love to see micro payments because I'm not going to have 
20 subscriptions to 20 different publications. Yeah. But if I see, so I don't subscribe to say The Athletic, but there's a brilliant football journalist called Daniel Taylor who used to work for The Guardian, and I think he went to The Athletic, but I would pay a small amount to read one of his articles every now and again. Yeah. And there are, I love David Mitchell's columns on in The Observer. I don't pay for The Observer, but if it said you have to pay 30p on a Sunday to read David Mitchell's columns, I would pay it. Yeah, and if there was just a one click, here's an Apple Pay, here's a Google Pay, here's a, these are the ways you can, these are the ways you can, with very few clicks, and Amazon has done, has done this brilliantly. If you want to buy something, well, you can add it to your cart, or you can do this, but you can just press one button and it will come oh, to your house yeah, in a day. Yeah. I mean, that's, it makes it so easy for you to give them money, and publishing needs to make it easier for people to give it money, yeah, I think. Yeah. And that would be, I think that would be a real benefit well, to well, publishing in it's general. It's funny because but, we're yeah. leaning into microtransactions for the real life now, aren't we? Yeah. We've got like, video games were a big thing for microtransactions. Like, oh, you want that new skin for your character? It's a pound, whatever. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Da- yeah download this. Idea. Yeah, download this game from the app store. Blah blah blah. In-game purchases available, yeah. and yeah, and I just, yeah, and I'm, I'd like to think, but every time I sort of. I, don't, I haven't spoken to many people about it in my company, but now and again I speak to sort of external publishing people and I go, oh, this would be great. And they just go, no, the model doesn't work, mate. We've tried it. It doesn't work. But I don't know. I think it's... I, I get the vibe the game is changing and people are prepared to do it. And, you know, testing cars is expensive. Yeah. And, you know, we employ a lot of people to do proper testing. We get a test tracks. We, we've got news writers on the go every day. We've got sub-editors. We've got designers... You know, we've got a lot of stuff going and we are inured from a lot of advertising revenue full because 25,000 people a week still pay to read the, the Mac in one, digitally or, yeah. on, or in print or on subscription or in the news agents. And that's, you know, that's really helpful. You know, and I think when people write to us, they like the fact that you know, we write what we like and we report to them and mm. we don't report to somebody else because primarily the money is coming from the reader. And that's who we report to, and I like that. Uh, sorry, yeah. I'm just banging on about. Oh, I, that, I right. appreciate. But it's um, nice yeah. I, but publishing has to, I think publishing has to sort out the problem it has walked itself into, and it is also slightly because it's because so much stuff happens on social media. Well, we don't make the money from that. We don't make you know we don't we don't make any. And social media companies like being publishers and like having a big audience and like telling stories but they don't have the same responsibilities as publishers yeah. because when a journalist says something you know what you see it with 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 people suing other people you know they might say something on social media it's not twitter who ends up with a bill no. it's whoever said it and whereas if you know whereas if a journalist says something in a publication they all end up in the yeah, yeah. you know and so publishers want all of the benefits of being publishers but none of the responsibilities that come with it and um, a lot of people have, and it's you know there's got to be a, yeah and there's got to be a there's got to be a point where you know I think it, I think budgets are being what they are where publishers are starting to go okay we need to concentrate not just on audience actually mm. there's more important things than audience size and it's yeah, yeah. and it's making money. Well, we've got to stay afloat, haven't we? Yeah, keep exactly. Being able to do the things that they're yeah. doing. Yeah. So, uh, yes. Yeah, so, no, anyway, the short of it is, I don't know what we were talking about. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> before saying, well, I how went do you off think auto car is com- Oh, how is I think it's with? doing? Yeah, I mean, we're across it. We're a very modern, um, outward-looking, which is nice, because it's not always the, 
I don't think that's always the it's the case. We're, you know, it's very up. It's it's got a big long history, but it's very up to date. It's very outward looking. It's very accepting. Yeah. Um, it's a it's across all media channels, if you like. It's yeah, across yeah. you know it is across everything. So. Well, aren't you the face of most of the video stuff now? Yes. So yeah, I'm. Yeah, I've sort of because I've been there for so long. I've become through you a camera yeah, basically yeah, yeah basically they've just gone well oh, this freelancer wants to go and do something else so why don't you present a video okay fine uh, oh so and so's going to do something else so why don't you try writing a column oh yeah okay thanks and um, yeah so just by dint of persistence I've you ended up as our sort of lead writer and presenter basically how are which you is finding great. that as a transition cool yeah well it's weird isn't it I never because I started in this business in 97 and it, it wouldn't have occurred to me that I would be in front of a camera in front of a camera and it's and I'm also of a generation where cameras were weird when I was growing up because yeah. we didn't have them. Yeah, you know, yeah. you had one or two relatives who had a video camera, um, whereas you're of a, of a generation and the young people are of a generation where everybody has had cameras trained on them since they were born. And it's therefore it's not unusual to yeah, find yeah. to find yourself in or around a camera. But um, I've got I've come to enjoy it. And if you don't enjoy it, you won't be any good at it. it. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I. I somewhat try not to be in front of it mm. and I, it's one of those where I know that if I had the motivation and the the kind of interest to go right I'm going to do more videos that have my face in it talking about things that yeah. I'm interested in my social media following will probably grow Yeah. and a byproduct of that is my site traffic will go up and I might yeah. sell a few more t-shirts and get more listeners to what I do and this mm. and probably make a bit of a difference and that thing like sits in the back of my head constantly like you should be doing this yeah and then I sit down and try and edit a video, and within ten minutes, I'm like, "This is tedious. I don't want to do this anymore." <laughs> do you find? Because I, yeah, I find it. I think quite. If it's not in, if I'm not enjoying editing it, if I'm not enjoying it, how is somebody going to enjoy watching it? Yeah, and I'm, um, yeah, and I get my my son says to me, he says, "You should do a YouTube channel." I'm like, "Mate, I do do a YouTube channel." He says, "No, no, no, no. You should do your own. You should do your classic car stuff. You should do a thing." I'm like, "Well, one, I've I've got a job, yeah, you know, which takes me." I mean, I worked out the amount of hours I worked last week, and it was not good. But um, it was, and I was just like, when do you, when do you think I've got time to do this? But also, I have tried it a bit. I've done okay. I'll, I'll set up a camera on a tripod, and I'll do a bit of work on my Hillman input. I'll talk about it, and I get to the point of thinking, I'm not even in. Yeah, I'm it's not, one of those. Where I'm, it's not, like I'm I've, boring myself. I've done the thing, and now I have to go back and click. Yeah, the do thing it all again. It, yeah, and I just it. and it's um, yeah. So uh, no, I'm I'm I really I really enjoy doing the stuff I do at Autocar but I I just don't have the time or the patience to do it again do it other guys I don't think I yeah. suppose I might do it if I didn't do this for a living if it packed up tomorrow and I had to do something else That's then I probably would do it for fun and well, a few people yeah, recently have started doing it full time like Chris Pollock stepped out and started oh, okay. doing it full time and I yeah. know um, Ian Seabrook mm. he does it full time now and it, they've had those pivotal moments where they've gone Right, I'm now in a position where either I've not got a job or a big life-changing event has happened. If I'm not going to do it now, I'm never going to do it. And they've yeah. gone, right, I'll just give it a go then. Yeah. Worst case scenario, we get six months in, I have to go and find another job. Yeah. And it seems to be like they're enjoying it, but I think it also comes with a lot of pressure, and mm. you are at the whim of what YouTube is doing. Yeah, that's certainly true. I mean, I just can't... We do a, we do jobs sometimes, we'll upload videos, and they will... from for reasons I cannot understand will fly or not yeah you know we've done really nice videos and I think this is great this is really good people are going to love this and it does 30,000 views yeah. and, I, and you think oh that's weird and then you do another one 
of a fairly ordinary car, but maybe because it's first or maybe nobody else has got one and it, it can do half a million and you yeah. think this is just, there's no, weird, hang on a minute, you know, I know that video is better than that video. I know that's more interesting than that. Why yeah. is this? But you, what, what, that's the other thing that frustrates me about, uh, not social particularly, but YouTube, but YouTube in, in, is you are very much at the mercy of how, whether it puts your video in front of people of what to click on next. Yeah. And I think... Oh, I to get the numbers wrong. The last time I, you know, when you look at the YouTube analytics and you see where your views come from, more than half are because that's YouTube put it in front of somebody on yeah. the home screen, and they went, "Oh yeah, okay, fine." That I'll sounds click on that. good. Let's go. Yeah, um, it's wild. Yeah, it is wild. But uh, yeah, well, I was going to say something else, but I can't remember what it was, so it can't have been. That's all right. I, I had um, Joe Achilles on, who mm. makes most of his income through YouTube. Yeah. And he said, you're subservient to the whims of an algorithm. Yeah, it's yeah, quite a yeah. That's, yeah, Exa- yes, exactly that. So there's, yes, two, yeah, two things I was going to say, actually. One is, if you do put, what I've noticed, if, if my face appears somewhere on my socials rather than a car, the engagement is higher and there are more, more likes and stuff like that. So mm. that is one thing. But yes, being at the, the mercy of an algorithm really wires me up. And it just because we talk about SEO and optimization and stuff for the stories we write and it's that's all it's all fine I understand we have to do it but Google doesn't care about me doesn't care about the reader it's it's it cares about itself yeah. and from you know it, and that's you know where you get to that stage with with publishing is is slight frustrating you know because Google doesn't give them monkeys about us yeah. you know its interest is itself not the reader and I want to write for the reader yeah. not for an algorithm and likewise with presenting stuff you know we want to make really good videos that people enjoy watching and it, I don't want the success of those to be dependent on a random algorithm yeah, so yeah. you know and it's I, uh, yeah I, so I present a podcast with Steve Cropley at the minute called My Week in Cars oh, we really both that. enjoy it we really both like it yeah. and it feels like we're doing something where we don't have to worry about that sort of thing so much. We just talk about our respective columns, which in which we write about what we like anyway. Mm. Um, and then we just talk some other nonsense for half an hour, and people just go and yeah, people just really, really like it, and it does a decent number of listens. We're just happy to, yeah, it's nice to to not involve SEO in something like that. It, so it I mean, is like I I hope to be in a position where what I do is substantially enough to tick over at a level where I don't need to worry too much mm. about what I put out and it, I then have the freedom to go this is what I enjoy doing that's yeah. what I'm going to do um, so at the minute I, I do this one day a week and the weekends and I still have four days a week in a, like a job mm. so I've still got quite a degree of flexibility because I go well I'm going to do what I want to do and hope that that finds the audience that agree with it and then yeah. it can grow from there and I don't want to get to the point where it's like I need to do this because the algorithm will push that more than yeah. if I do this yeah. the closest I'm getting to that at the minute is with content for social media mm. they're all pushing video more than they are photo they are yeah they so it's are. like right and I've got to make yeah. reels rather than just sharing yeah, yeah, photos rather than just pictures. Yeah. and I've recently gotten quite into proper photography mm. so I'm taking some really good photos and I'm like that's so frustrating. Yeah, no, yes, exactly. You do all that, and the game changes yeah. without you. And by the way, yeah, by the way, all that great stuff you've been doing, 
we're not interested. Yeah, you've got to because do it doesn't. Yeah, you know, because not not for your benefit, but for the you know, but for their benefit. Yeah, yeah and uh, yeah, and I, I don't mind reels and everything, but it it is more time consuming than it is for. Yeah. And we do that. You know, our our social channels are effectively another branch of our daily job. So it's just. You know, if you're taking a photo and re- writing a caption about a car, that's one thing. But then, actually, can you make that a minute-long video? So talk about it rather okay. than writing it down. Yeah, I can, but it's going to take more time. And, it, and the thing about video and stills in general, it is easier to set up a stills situation than it is to set up a video situation yeah. because and that's variable. You know, yeah, you know, if you're walking around some, you know, with stills, you can shoot. Well, I'll shoot it from this angle. Even for like cornering shots and stuff like that, you know, when we were out on a on a shoot, you know, as long as you've got one angle halfway through a corner where a car looks dramatic, drop down. But yeah. actually, for a video, well, the car needs to look interesting from point A all the way to all yeah, the way to point B. Shots, yeah, 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 that, exactly. Yeah, it is a it is a bigger yes, it is a bigger job. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is a bigger job. No question. It's a pain because. Arguably, video content is more engaging. Like yeah, if yeah, you have and I love video and content. Yeah, and I really yeah. enjoy video content, so I'm yeah. not knocking it. And I enjoy doing it and consuming it. Yeah, yeah. It's just so much more effort. Yeah, <laughs> and it's annoying. I've really gotten into photography, and I'm like, how can I leverage this into a video of some sort? So now everything's a slideshow yeah. of varying degrees. Oh yes, okay. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, it's all fun and games. You know, yeah. the, the frustrating one is when you put a lot of effort in and nobody sees it. Yeah, and then you put no effort in, and everybody. My on my feeds, I've got a video of I was behind a two fifty short wheelbase mm. in the eight six in the damp. I was trying to keep up with it, and it was squirreling off roundabouts and this and this. And I just had my dash cam footage. Mm. I was like, tried to keep up with this, failed. It's had like hundreds of thousands of views. Oh, uh, really? And then I'll go out and I'll rig up the camera gear and all this and this, spend an actual day trying to do stuff, and nobody will see it. <laughs> Like, why am I bothering making any it sort of so effort? It is so frustrating. When I've got a video of the 787B cruising past on the parade mm. at Le Mans, and I've not uploaded it yet, and I probably will. And I imagine that'll be one where I went, oh, look at this, and it was... Yeah, 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 it'll do really well. Whereas I'll spend an evening going, oh, this is my trip to Le Mans, and here, blah, 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 and it'll get seen by like 200 yeah. people. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. well, I'll just do seven-second clips of cars driving past, and yeah, it'll exactly. just go everywhere. Yeah. Um, and it's quite nice when you manage to trick the algorithm. That's a fun moment. I a couple of months ago, I did a Harlequin style Porsche 930. Mm. So it was in the the vibe of the Harlequin Volkswagens, yeah. but it was all the valent racing livery colours. So right. it's kind of pastels, and that was the design. And I'd seen a valent Porsche at an event. So on the Instagram post, it was picture of the Porsche, picture of the T-shirt, picture of the Porsche. So it looked like car content when it first appeared on the screen. So I'd like trick the algorithm into showing it to those, and it got loads of engagement. I was like, "Yes, I've tricked it." <laughs> if it had just been the T-shirt, no one would have seen no it because the algorithm knows that's a product. Oh yes, okay. Um, yeah, whereas yeah. if it's a oh, it's Porsche and everyone likes that Porsche, and everyone clicks on that, it shows yeah. it to more people. I was like, "Yes, I've tricked it." I tried it again last month, and rather than doing a, a photo and then a thing and then a photo and then a thing, I did a reel that started with about three seconds of someone falling over or someone getting tasered or something. It was a funny little three seconds and then it went into a series of photos and that had the same effect the algorithm showed it to other people because that engaging bit at the start got yeah. people to stay on the screen and it was just you know I was like, oh, I've got to learn all these little tricks now just to get stuff seen yeah it is like yes it is like learning another another job yeah you know yeah 
Which yeah. fortunately is my day job, so I'm mm. learning it for two purposes, so I can justify the time spent. Yeah. Then when I'm at work and I've got my headphones on, I'm just scrolling on my phone to see what's happening currently. I just sit there and go, people are going to think I'm not doing my job. They're going to think he's just sat having a cup of coffee and on his phone. I'm like, no, I need to learn yeah, what the trends are. This is my are. job. Yeah, yeah this, is my, this is my work. Um, yeah, remember the time when um, some, some companies, maybe they, I don't know, maybe companies still do, they would basically block Facebook from being yeah. on people's work computers. And you'd sort of see somebody on Facebook and think, oh, I think they're not doing anything. And as, as now, it's, it's, an you know, it's a general, yeah, it's, it's actually a very big part of, yes, yeah. it can be a very big part of Because my skill set covers like a bit of graphic design mm. and a bit of video and a bit of photography and social media. It lent itself quite nicely to, I basically manage all of the digital content for a hotel and golf course. Oh, okay. So having, doing what I do for Tacona, has meant I've built this skill set in quite a yeah, variety yeah, of yeah. stuff so it lent yeah. itself quite nicely to that and then the other week I was at one of the holes the tee is next to a reservoir mm. so I was stood next to this lovely reservoir in the sunshine and the video I was making was we've got these electric golf buggies yeah. and it's basically power assisted but you can press a button and it'll just roll off on its own so I was just doing this video of it, just doing little drive-bys past the camera in various cool. spots it was a really sweet cool. little I was really happy yeah. with it and I showed it to my other half, and she went, quite emotionally invested in it. Because it's got its little personalities, it trundles along. That's really cool. And it was like a Friday afternoon at about three o'clock, and I was like, currently on a golf course, filming this little buggy in the sunshine with a nice bottle of cold water and a golf cart. Yeah. And this is my job. I was that like, is I'm the bizarre thing. I'm sure how I've ended up yeah, with this. Yeah, I mean, job. it is, yes, for all my, for all my going, oh, bloody hell, yeah. I mean, I wish I, there wasn't so much SEO, blah, blah, blah. Oh, best job in the world. Yeah, isn't it? I showed yeah. it to my manager. Went, this is amazing. I like, and I get praised for doing this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, get to have ideas, act them out, and somebody goes, yeah, that's very good. Well done, this we is, like yes, it. Yeah, Carry on, really do cool. more. Yeah. Absolutely. I'll do that every day of the week. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's cool. Um, well, we smashed through an hour and a half, which is quite good going. And we've gone on some fun tangents. I think the pheasant has given up on the cards. Finally. I mean, he could be between them. I can't see him. Uh, no, I think I saw him trot off, trot off in back into the field a minute ago. So um, uh, I'll hit yes. him on the way out, probably. Yeah, well, if you... I mean, it, he will try yeah. get in your way. But yeah, I it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure just to sit and chat and learn more really about cool. what you do and how it all comes oh, I'm very glad you came by. Yeah, it's very cool. lovely. And I'm only... 30 minutes away from home so it's well, nice yeah, and convenient I mean, anytime you're passing me just drop in for a cup well, of tea well I'll see you on the, at the weekend yeah I'll be there Sunday Flywheel Festival on yes. you're there all weekend are you or? just Sunday when does this when, will that have passed by the time this is published yeah I think I've got two episodes before this one and they come out every two weeks okay. just because I don't have the time schedule to do one a week yeah um, I had Edward Lovett on oh cool either the last one or the one before yeah He's like, oh, we do ours weekly. I was like, yes, Edward, but you run the whole company and you can have the time to do that. Yeah. And it's you and your mates who all run companies. So you go, yeah, so yeah, exactly. we'll just you do throw that. it over the wall to somebody else. And someone will do it for yeah. us. Oh, I like it. I'll listen to that because uh, I haven't heard that yet. Yeah.